Well, it's the first time all year that I won't get you to get your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans. Not sure if that's... Anyway, grab your Bibles. We're going to look at a couple of passages this morning. I'm going to pray for us. But we have just finished our sermon series looking through the text of the book of Romans, hopefully encouraged, edified, and with, as we finished off last week, just a, a clearer picture of the might, the majesty, the wonder of Christ Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. Um, I'm sure probably it's, it's evident for many of us, but there definitely has been a sense of the Lord just stirring a few things. I haven't quite got the Adam uh, weepy eyes anointing yet, although I'm open, Lord. And, and, um, uh, but equally, all of us, I think, and Catherine attests to this as well, have, have just really sensed the Lord's prompting, stirring in a couple of key areas. And so we want to take a moment as we just finish one series through Romans to really share a few of those things, which will be more... More sharing and more focused on what I believe, what we believe the Lord is encouraging us in and leading us into. And there's some exciting things in that space. And before I say any more, let me pray and then just launch into this this morning. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for all that you've already done. We pray that you continue to stir up our faith, a faith that not comes from within us. But it comes from recognizing the reality of who you are, leaning in to those powerful promises, that reality of a God who is with us and for us. Even this morning, Lord, I pray you'd open our eyes, the eyes of our heart to see you, to know you. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you come and glorify Jesus in our midst. May he be honored. May his name be made great here, in this place, in our city in our nation, and in the nations of the world, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to encourage us, and I want to uh, talk to us this morning about the area of prayer. I feel like most of us probably have heard sermons of prayer. Most of us perhaps have mixed feelings, as we even mention the topic of prayer. I feel like prayer is one of those things that as believers, all of us would say, it's important. We recognize it's important. And probably most of us would also say we recognize that we need more of it. There's very few people who say, oh, well, I've, I've got that down, Pat. I think I'm okay in the prayer department. Maybe other people are lacking, but I'm, I'm fine. M- most of us recognize that it's important, that we have a need for it, and that we would desire to be doing more prayer than we currently are. But I've discovered in my personal life with the Lord and in my journey with Him, there's just seasons where in the space of prayer, the Lord breathes on and leads us in a different or a specific direction. And uh, I mentioned last week, for those who were here on Sunday, as part of the message that my wife Alison and I had been down to Melbourne we were a part of a conference down there with a guy by the name of Pete Gregg. And Pete Gregg is the founder of a prayer movement called simply 24-7 Prayer. He's a UK guy. They began back in the late 90s just with a week-long prayer meeting that just birthed into 24-7 Prayer from that point onwards and since then has kind of spread throughout uh, much of the world, not just the Western world, but they've got prayer houses and um, aspects and elements of their 
their uh, movement through Africa and Asia and various other parts in the world. And so the focus of this uh, conference, and Pete was also speaking at a conference up in the Gold Coast, was to launch a, a movement of prayer in Australia uh, with a, a group of leaders down in Melbourne. And I happened to see Pete Gregg had a particular article that he posted after having been in Melbourne, the conference we were at, he was up on the Gold Coast. And I thought it was worth just, it's a long article, but I wanted to pull a few things out that kind of lead us into where I'd love for us to go, not just this morning, but into a, a sense of where God's leading us in the area of prayer. His article was entitled this. Pete Gregg, by the way, his surname is spelled G-R-I-E-G, if you want to look this up and see the article in its entirety. So his subtitle is this, Could Australia Actually, Weirdly, Be Building Towards a Major Move of God? That was his subtitle. And I'd, I'd mentioned when we were at the conference down in Melbourne, my wife and I, just how encouraged we were at this sense uh, not just with a couple of leaders, but across the board as a group of, of leaders and pastors and across different um, streams of Christendom, um, there was this, this commonality and this sense of the Lord stirring and awakening, awakening something fresh in general in the nation of Australia, but specifically leading towards this emphasis on prayer. So he continues in his very Pete Gregg sort of style. He says, look, I... I realise it seems like a ridiculous question. It smacks of naivety, it whiffs of hype. Um, he says, the signs of rampant secularism and systematic church decline are easy to observe. Seeing such signs of decline, is it even remotely tenable to think that a secular nation, which, if we're honest, we are according to all recent polls in Australia, and Canberra in every recent poll, if Australia's here, Canberra's kind of right out the other direction. Is it remotely tenable to think that such a secular nation could turn back to Christ? Well, he goes on, he says, I'm reflecting on my time in Melbourne, helping launch 24-7 Prayer Australia, then on the Gold Coast, and he said that the greatest thing that surprised him as he left, and I don't know whether it's his first time to Australia or if he's come many times, but he said he was particularly surprised as he left that he found himself wondering if a revival might be indeed stirring down under. There's a couple of things he identifies. First of all, he talks about a couple of different um, research organisations that have produced some statistics. I thought a couple of these were interesting. Um, one particular body of research identified this, that in the general population of Australia, there was one quarter or 25% of people who were polled who said they were interested and would be interested, would willingly come to church if someone invited them. Now, again, we live in Canberra, where if Australia's secular, Canberra's probably a whole other poll of data. But this particular poll in Australia as a whole said one in um, every four person, every four people that was asked was interested in coming along to church. There was, there was a hunger, even in a secular country, of people to come and to try church. The second interesting statistic, he said was this, that um, more than three quarters of the people who were interviewed admit that they regularly pray to God, in some sense, um, over uh, 75% of this supposedly secular nation freely admit that they regularly talk to God, this God that supposedly they're not meant to believe in in the midst of a secular nation. 
And yet he went on and he talked about some statistics of the churches in Australia. He said only less than 2% of Australian churches have any kind of vision for evangelism, growth or multiplication. Isn't that an incredibly low statistic? Even though one in four people are willing to come to church, one in um, what three quarters of the people polled have some sort of spiritual awareness, desire to know God or to pray to God, and yet so few churches are actually reaching out. He goes on and he says, he believes one of the challenges we're facing in Australia, and he says, and probably to be honest, other Western nations too, is not what we've been told. The problem is less spiritual apathy in society, and I agree with that. I think there's actually, despite what we may think, a growing spiritual hunger. People are hungering for the truth. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a genuine awakening, a desire for what is true in the midst of all that we see around us in the world. So it's not spiritual apathy in society. These statistics are pointing us towards something different, but spiritual complacency in the church. And I think there's all sorts of reasons, isn't there? We've seen church crises. We've seen um, all sorts of things that you would not want to see. There's discouragement. There's disappointment. There's anything but a passion and a desire in the churches and a hungering after God. He says, before we turn in, in blind panic then to plans, programs, projects, looking for solutions, Jesus says we must return to him in prayer. John Wesley, it's a quote from John Wesley, he says, God does nothing in the earth save in answer to believing prayer. And he talks about the conference down in Melbourne. He said he was so encouraged as people came from across Australia and New Zealand. I think there's a few other countries that were represented there. And there was a hunger to, to learn more about the movement and to be involved in, in launching 24-7 prayer. The original venue had to be moved to a larger space. That larger space was then filled. He said the hunger and stories amongst those gathered were incredible. He shares some of those you can read in your own time. And this is the, the phrase that grabbed me and really I want to kind of use to move into what we want to talk about this morning. But he says this, over the years I've learned to pay attention to signs like these, indicators that the Lord is going ahead of us. And again, I used one of the phrases he often used um, during the conference and in general last week where he talks about we, we don't try and generate the way. That's not the mission, try and work something up. But we look and we respond to what we believe God is saying. We look for the, the way. But what, what is God doing? We want to be a part of that. And if these signs are leading us towards that. And so he, he concludes the article. He says, I believe it's truly something significant when the vast majority of Australians are praying. Who knows who they're praying to, but there's a spiritual hunger there. Where at least a quarter of them are actually interested in attending church, despite all of the church failures and everything else we've seen. And he said... When churches are beginning to be mobilized in new ways to pray. It continues as he finishes. Could Australia actually weirdly be moving towards a major move of God? <sighs> Would have been a good moment for an amen. It's all right. We're, we're trying to just in, encourage one another in this space. Um, I would say, and I'm not someone at all who gen generally likes any hype. I'd much rather kind of play things down the typical Aussie way and just kind of wait and see. She'll be right. We'll see, uh, we'll see where things go. But I would say that not only my heart, but also my wife, Ali's heart, we were particularly encouraged at this, this gathering that we were in and even surprisingly in some ways felt like 
the Lord stirred our hearts in this area of prayer. So I said to her actually during the week, I said, look, I'm focusing on this. I'd love for you, if you're happy, to just share about specifically um, there's a couple of things that the Lord did in her heart. And her initial response was, uh, I don't think so. I don't think I want to do that. Uh, but I'll pray about it. And as she did, she came to me last night. She said, you wouldn't believe it. I just had this, this real flow and sense from the Lord, and I've now got a mini sermon to preach. <laughs> so I said, praise God. And I think that in itself, to be honest, is significant for her. So she's going to come and share and encourage us, and then I'll kind of wrap up at the end after probably having spent way too much time doing the introduction. Would you welcome her up? Good morning. It is great to be here today. I feel like there was one little aspect that Andrew failed to mention about our trip to Melbourne. The fact that it was actually minus the children. It was just the two of us. Um, And the last time that we did that was in 2019, where interestingly we also went to Melbourne um, to uh, a different conference. So shout out to my parents and Andrew's parents, who happily and willingly fed, watered and drove our children around to all of their activities on that weekend. So thank you to those people. So as um, Andrew has shared um, just briefly, we really are sensing just a stirring of the Lord um, in the area of prayer. And I feel like this is something that we've been seeing just in a variety of different ways and places around the world, just some of the things that we watch and listen to and just feel like God is really... um, moving in the church in this particular area at the moment and it's not a new idea like I was thinking about even this morning just in the song that we sang about King of Kings like it talks about like the gospel truth of old shall not kneel shall not faint like the area of prayer God instituted back in the book of Genesis like it's been around for a really long time and I feel like um, just as we've been kind of I guess, praying through and just processing and just aware of what we feel God is stirring us in at the moment. I was thinking about like this analogy that Andrew used about like the wave and that we don't make the wave, we wait for the wave. But when we think about like the surfer, which I am not, I have to say, um, Andrew is a passionate surfer and he is doing all that he can to Um, instill that into our children as well but when you think about like the surfer it's actually can be really really hard work they go out on their boards sometimes it can take quite a while to get past like that initial bit where the set comes in and breaks and you've got to get like past that you know how the waves break kind of twice So you've got to get past that first bit and then you've got to get out the back and then you've got to position yourself just in the right spot because if you're a bit too far out, the wave is too full and if you're too far in, you just miss that moment to like get on the wave, if that makes sense. So they go out and sometimes I can see Andrew, he might go out there and surf for like two hours and the actual fraction of time that he's on a wave out of that two hours is so small But even though he's not, 
like that fraction of time is really small, he's actually working really hard all of that time. There's so much waiting that is involved and the whole time that you're waiting, you're paddling, you're moving, you're watching, you've got to be aware of the other surfers because you can't like take their wave. That's a really bad thing in the surfing world. Um, and, you know, th there's a lot that's going on there. And I feel like for us, there has been quite a bit, like recently I was chatting with Catherine and Steph, we had met to pray recently, and we were talking about just that sense of like, how long, Lord? How long, Lord? And it has felt like we've been in a season of we are waiting. But while we're waiting, we're not just like doing nothing. We're paddling hard. We're watching. We're looking. We're listening. We're worshipping. We're positioning ourselves for, for that, that wave, if that makes sense. And I feel like at the moment that we just have that sense that God is moving, that there is a fresh wave, that we are invited to ride with him in the area of prayer. And as a church, we have a really, I feel, we have a really rich heritage in the area of prayer. And as someone who's grown up in our church, I have memories being a child where... Our church was very small at the time and, and the church would gather, I think it was like, I should have checked these details. I feel like it was once a month on a Friday night for an all-night prayer vigil and it was a small group of people who would faithfully pray all night and I remember my brother and I, we thought it was awesome because these people who would come to our house would bring their kids and it was just a big sleepover and we'd have our little lineup of mattresses and the kids would sleep and the parents would pray and... We thought it was great. Um, but all to say, at that time, that was, that was the wave and that was the response. And so I think now we've been praying and just we don't really have it all figured out. But Lord, what are you saying to us now in the area of prayer? Because we feel like it's something. And so we want to be positioning ourselves. We want to be riding that wave. We want to be responding to what the Lord is saying to us as his body now in this season. So I want to just read, it is one verse that I feel like God has really put on my heart for us as a church for now. It's Colossians, it was not from the book of Romans, Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. If you just want to turn there, it's very simple, it's a very small, short, sharp verse, but I feel like there is something on it, certainly for me personally, and I feel like for us together. It says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. That's it. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And I've been thinking about this verse, continue steadfastly. Because I think that there is a great encouragement and a great challenge for us in this. Because I think sometimes if we're honest, well, if I'm honest, I feel like prayer sometimes feels like faithful plotting. Like we are just putting one foot in front of another. We are trying to be faithful. We're trying to be consistent. And it feels like we are just plodding along, if that makes sense. But I feel like... That, that feeling and that reality for us when we are praying for particular things or even just the overall prayerfulness in our lives over a long period of time, it's actually not just 
faithful plotting. It's actually, continu- it's actually continuing steadfastly, which is what God encourages us to do. Because we all know those times that we, we might be praying, it might be on our own, it might be corporately, and it's like oh, the Holy Spirit just sweeps in the room and we're like, oh, we could stay here forever. But we also have those times where we're being faithful, bringing things before the Lord, and we're not necessarily feeling anything. There's not the rushing wind through the room. Um, we're being faithful We're just continuing steadfastly. We are faithfully plodding along in our prayer life. Um, And that's the encouragement of the Lord. He loves a faithful plotter. Absolutely he does. I know that for sure. He loves the faithful plotting. He loves it when we don't give up hope, when we continue to press in, when we continue bringing before him um, the needs that we have personally, the things that we see around about us, the things that are happening in the world, when we're faithful declaring who he is, um, speaking about his goodness, reminding ourselves of that in the way that we pray um, and position ourselves, when we continue pressing in for a breakthrough, when we are devoted in prayer, not just like a little sprinkling or a double on top at the end of the day, but actually being people who continue steadfastly in prayer being devoted to him in the way that we do that. And I was thinking about that verse, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And I have felt just a real, um, I guess, nudge from the Lord about this area of being watchful in the way that we pray and actually in the way that we guard prayer in our lives. Because I know for me that one of the things really probably that the enemy uses to dull my awareness of the Lord or my faithful plotting in prayer is actually distraction and busyness. And I have to be really watchful of that personally. And there is an element of reality in life that is busy. Like in our lives at the moment, it is a pretty busy season. Both of us work full time. Both of us work in jobs that are very like people oriented, if that makes sense. And we both work in jobs that kind of never end. Like I often think what it would be like to have a job where you walk in the door and you like swipe a card and that's when you work, your work starts and then you like do your day and then you come out of work and you swipe a card as you exit the building and that's the end of the work day. I feel like that, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be a very different life to what, to what we experience. Um, and we have four children and life is very, very busy. But in the midst of that circumstance, the busyness... You know, there's a book, I have no clue who it's by, I've never ever read the book before, but I've seen it in Kurong, and the title of the book is Too Busy Not to Pray. I don't know if anyone's ever seen or heard of that book, I don't think I made it up, I think it is real. Too Busy Not to Pray. And there is actually an element to which when there's lots of things that are going on in life, 
Actually, just as much or even more so, do we need to be faithful plotters in prayer? And that might look different. It might not be two hours in the morning to pray. It might actually be five minutes. It might actually be in the car on the way or as you're about to walk into a meeting or a difficult conversation, just inviting the Holy Spirit into that space. Or when you've got an interaction with someone, just to say, Lord, give me your words, bring your heart, bring your kingdom into this situation or into this conversation right now. It's about making space for him in the midst of the circumstances that we're in. But I feel like that takes a really... um, intent like it takes real intention it it takes you have to do that on purpose because otherwise in the busyness of things you forget and suddenly it's the end of the day and you're like whoa I just had four meetings back to back and not once did I invite the Holy Spirit into those meetings we have to be intentional we have to be aware in that way so busyness and distraction we have to be watchful of those things because they are definitely traps I know that they're traps for me Um, and when I fall into the trap that I'm focusing on the distraction and often those distractions, they're really good things, they're not bad things but when my awareness of the Lord in the midst of that circumstance, when my eyes are not on him, then that is definitely, um, it takes the power out of it. Does that make sense? When When you're in... When you're going through your, your work day or your family day or whatever it might be and your, your eyes are really focused on Jesus and in prayer you're faithfully plodding along, inviting him into all of those things, then you have the power of the Holy Spirit that is working in the midst of those circumstances. And the other thing to be watchful that I have felt the Lord speaking to me about being watchful about is actually the area of discouragement. Um, I had a situation this week, uh, the day was Thursday and I had I'd come home from work and I was feeling very, I don't know what the word is, like troubled in myself about some circumstances and they weren't personal circumstances but they were around me circumstances if that makes sense and I felt heavy in my heart and I, I did feel that real like just discouragement in this situation and um, as a worship team over the last month for the month of October normally we have like a worship practice on a Thursday night um, prior to the Sunday and we you know work on the songs that we're going to be singing that Sunday and all of that kind of thing and um, Adam had felt the leading of the Lord that for the month of October instead of practicing on a Thursday night we were to gather to worship and to minister to the Lord. And so that's what we've been doing in Adam and Steph's home and um, I just honour and thank them for opening up their house. And I have to tell you, every time you go to the house, Steph puts on the most beautiful spread. She absolutely has a beautiful gift of hospitality. Um, So we have been filling their house with the worship of the Lord. (laughs) Um, And it has been sounding amazing, not that it's just about how it sounds, but when it sounds good, it's just helps, you know. So we've been gathering together to worship and I was feeling heavy in my heart. Thursday is a very busy day for us always and 
Um, we had been here at the community meal and we'd done, like, I'd done the running around for the girls because we have ballet cricket and athletics on a Thursday and there's only one of me, um, two of us, but that's, we've got more ch too many children really for that. Um, so we'd done the running around, we'd been here for the community meal, which was great, and I'd like done the drop off back at home and I was home for less than five minutes, got in the car and drove to Adam and Steph's house. I arrived very late, but I figured better to go for some than none. Um, so I turned up because I just knew in myself that day that I needed to be there. Even though the circumstances of the day, I was like, home for five minutes, that's terrible, meant no lunch boxes were done, ready for Friday morning. But I just knew that I needed to be there. And um, I arrived just as they were kind of wrapping up the supper time and starting to worship. And the first song that um, we sang that Adam was playing on his guitar was Raise a Hallelujah. So I just really enjoyed getting into the presence of the Lord, raising a hallelujah. And um, I just felt the Lord speak to me so clearly as we were worshipping that um, just how important it is to really raise, like raise the worship of the Lord like to raise a hallelujah, to lift him up high above the opposition and high above the circumstances. And that was the sense that I had as we were worshipping. So we're doing this and then Adam kind of stops on his guitar and he's like, I just have a sense from the Lord that what we're doing as we're singing this song is we're like lifting a banner up above the opposition. And I'm like in my heart, thank you, Lord. That is such an encouragement for me at a time that I had felt real discouragement that particular day, um, but probably more than that, like just some circumstances in general that I had, I had felt like I'd been battling discouragement probably for a little while. But just that sense of like raising a banner and raising his praise and his name that is so much greater than any of those circumstances up above those things. So... Um, Part of being watchful for me, I have felt the Lord speaking to me, not just about the busyness and the distraction, like they're, they're things that are kind of always there, but specifically with discouragement, just about really lifting the name of the Lord high above those circumstances and high above those things. And that's really what that verse encourages us in at the end. It says, with thanksgiving, like with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And as a people, as a church, we have always felt the call of the Lord to be a worshipping people, to minister to the Lord in a way that is prioritised, corporately as well as personally and individually in our lives. And... When I think about prayer and when I think about worship, I just feel like the two go, they, they go so hand in hand. Because as we are worshipping the Lord, as we are focusing on the greatness of who he is, prayer flows out of that place in a really powerful way. And... The way that we cultivate our love for Jesus 
is actually what sustains our life of prayer. It's like the more that we love Jesus, the more that we want to pray, the more that we're growing in our worship and our adoration of him, the more we're building a culture and a, and a house of prayer here. And I was even thinking about, we were talking a little bit last night, one of the things, I've thought about this a lot, that um, Pete, Pete Gregg mentioned was, and, and I think one thing I would say about this particular gathering in Melbourne that I loved was actually just like the everyday ordinariness of the people there. Like it was just regular People who got up to speak or share something about their particular prayer house or something that God had been sharing to them about, they weren't wearing like super trendy clothes. They weren't particularly good necessarily at public speaking. They just loved Jesus and just wanted to share about him. And I felt like it was really a a meshing together of people from the body from all over the place. Like we sat next or actually right in front of a couple from God Squad. I was about to say rebels, and I'm like, no, that's wrong. God Squad is where they go when they're no longer rebels, Um, from God Squad. And they were there um, because of the actually really amazing prayer that God Squad does as they are really discipling people really from darkness into light like it was actually really encouraging just talking to them and and just hearing hearing their heart um but one of the things that pete greg said is that you know because this 24 7 movement of prayer just kind of happened like as andrew shared last week they just felt a stirring of the lord they said let's see if we can pray for a whole week 24 7 and he was thinking gosh this is going to be really hard and that was back in 98 99 and they actually haven't stopped since and people say what's the vision what's the vision and he is like actually the vision is jesus the vision is jesus the vision is adoring him because when our eyes are on jesus when we are focused on loving him on worshiping him that actually compels our hearts towards our neighbours, towards justice, towards, you know, evangelism, towards healing, towards the proclamation of the word of God, all of those things when our vision is Jesus. And so when we are continuing steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, We're fixing our eyes upon him. He is actually the vision for our life. He is actually the vision for the things that we do day in and day out, whether it's big, powerful, important things, whether it's really small, little mundane things. Jesus is our vision. And so I've just been thinking about... and. Um, Angie and I have been talking about and I've just been praying about even just like for myself like God what now like if you're speaking these things if you're stirring these things what now what do we do what what is like that next step what is that wave what is that um let's just say step I feel like that's the right word what is that next step and I've been thinking about that so often 
when we feel God stirring something in our hearts, we we think that it's got to be something big or it's got to be something new or it's got to be something complicated. And actually, I think often it's actually really simple. We actually just pick up our foot and take the next plod. We just start from where we are and we just keep moving. We just keep moving forward. We just keep responding to what he's saying. And when I look around, you know, the room here, I see many people in this room here for whom where you're at in your life is you are living and have lived a very full and faithful life of prayer. You are the matriarchs and the patriarchs in this church here. And you're in a season of life where you're doing that already in such an amazing way. There is one um, beautiful lady who's sitting in this room who she probably doesn't even remember this. It was several years ago and she just mentioned to me something about how she has like this routine in her life throughout her week each day. The, the people in her family that she prays for each day and it's actually like literally hours every day that she intercedes for her family. And this is someone who we're talking about interceding for her children, her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. And I remember at the time with my little babies when she mentioned this, I remember being like, oh, wow, that just sounds so amazing to have all that time to be interceding and praying for her family. What an incredible, incredible heritage for that family that she is faithfully putting one foot in front of the other every day, praying for her children, her grandchildren and her, children, uh, her great-grandchildren. For others, the season of life that you are in is that you're in the thick of it with your baby, your two toddlers and your primary school-aged children that you've got to also manage to drive to school at the same time and your prayer life is looking like Please, God, help me make it through today as I change my 18 nappies per 24-hour period. That's the thick of it that you're in. For, and I guess what I, and, and for other people, you are living your professional life, getting up, going to work each and every day, going to work, coming home, going to work, coming home. But what I really had the sense of encouragement from the Lord for us is that he meets us in the season that we're in. And it's so easy to go, oh, the season that I'm in, there's just not enough time to pray. Oh, the season that I'm in, I'm just too busy. The season that I'm in, there's just too much opposition. I'll get to that when, whatever the answer to that sentence might be down the track, you know, when I have time, when I... Um, and working part-time, when I retire, when I get married, when I finish school, whatever it might be. But I feel really the encouragement of the Lord that he meets us in the season that we're in. And that, you know, the sacrifice of the prayer offered up while you're changing the nappies, while you're in that constant 
always preparing food because someone always needs a snack. (laughs) Whatever the season is, I just feel the encouragement of the Lord for you that he has a grace for you for the season that you're in to put one foot in front of the other to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. And God creates the seasons in our lives. They're actually his idea. They are actually his idea. And so whatever season you're in, there is a grace for you to to keep moving forward just to start where you are. Lord, stir my heart. Lord, speak to me today. Lord, I choose to be a faithful plotter. Lord, I choose to lift your name high above the circumstance and to focus on lifting you high, just to focus on you, Jesus, for you to be my vision today for you to be my vision as I walk into that meeting at work, for you to be my vision as I sit in the car at the kiss and drop queue at the end of the day to pick my kids up from school. Whatever the season is that you're in, for Jesus to be your vision and to know that his grace is there for you in the season that you are in. So trying to bring this back to as a church what is God saying to us now and I would say I think we're in that season we're putting one step in front of the other responding to what we feel God is saying to us do we have a long-term vision for prayer at Vision Church the vision is Jesus but how are we putting our feet one foot in front of the other faithfully plodding along responding to what he is saying to us Um, we, I think I mentioned, well, I know I mentioned that we went to uh, Melbourne without our children for a whole weekend. It was two nights and we didn't realise that the conference that we were at was a Friday, Saturday conference, but it actually finished at 6pm, which we didn't realise. And it was, the church was right in like, um just the street one block down from like Little Burke Street, if you know Melbourne. So we're right in the middle and we were like 6pm. That means we've got the whole night in Melbourne. We can, so we walked around like all the cool little places without our children and we found a just fun looking restaurant that reminded us actually of um, a little area that we'd been in when we were in Europe. So we went to this Italian restaurant. Italian is my most favourite cuisine, um, just to put that out there. So we went to this Italian restaurant and also the evening, it was like warm enough to sit outside the restaurant, which just made the evening feel even more special and like this was just such a blessing. So we're having dinner and Andrew's like, so, you know, what do you, what do you feel God's saying for the church? Like, you know, and I'm like, I don't know, I feel like it was, you know, it's an encouraging conference, but I just don't really feel like there's anything specific. And he's like, okay. It's like, yeah, he said, I think, I was thinking that, you know, maybe we should think about setting up a space for prayer at the church. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, like we've got that room up above, like near the offices. It could be like an upper room. Anyway, we're sitting there and I just started to cry. And he's like, 
what's wrong? Like thinking this is meant to be a really nice dinner out. We're like found ourselves in this place that by accident, because we thought we'd still be at the conference, and I just started to cry. And I was like, I don't know what it is, and this is going to sound like the weirdest thing, but I don't feel anything about that upper room. I actually feel the shed. And he's like, the shed? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I just feel that the Holy Spirit is all over the shed and that that's actually meant to be a place of prayer for us as a church. And in my mind, I'm like, I can hear the disappointment of my girls because they have great ideas about it being a youth shed. And I think if I say it's going to be a prayer shed, they're not going to be so excited about that idea. But I actually feel something about the shed and I don't feel like I have an an answer or an explanation for that because in the natural, I feel like the upper room surely has its... Um, priority over the shed but um, one of the things I guess that we feel that we need to respond to as a church is what we feel the Lord's saying and I, I, I don't feel like I can explain it in the natural at all but I do think that there's something about setting up the shed actually as a dedicated place of prayer for us as a church um, I feel like over time, Andrew's been like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I know that's because in his mind, he's like, yes, this is another project that I get to do out here because this is done now. So now, you know, he needs a project. He's one of those guys. Um, So um, as a church, we have always and continue to prioritise being a people of worship and being a house of prayer. And I guess... My encouragement for all of us this morning is in the season, whatever season it is that God finds you in, just as the season that we are finding ourselves in as a church, we don't have to have all the answers, we don't have to know, we have to have our eyes on Jesus and to be a faithful plotter, continually steadfast, continuing in steadfastness one foot in front of the other, responding to him, being watchful of those, those little, little things that get in the way, the distraction, the busyness, the discouragement, putting one foot after another, responding, riding that wave, watching, waiting, and with our hearts filled with thanksgiving, raising that banner high above all the circumstances that we see swirling around about us or the circumstances of our own lives. Do you want to come up and share? Um, I don't think there's anything to add specifically to what my lovely wife has very well articulated other than to bring us back to where we began that I think following the Lord is so often about just looking for those moments. What is it that the Lord is saying and responding accordingly? And I think sometimes in the area of prayer, we can, we can tend to be right. The Lord's stirring something. Pete Gregg said it, revival's coming, right? We've got to gather and pray in and usher in revival. And look, I'm all for that. But so often it's the Lord saying, you just got to start with the next step. He's looking for faithful plotters. He'll say, okay, Lord, what, 
what do I need to do? What, what can I do personally? So I'd encourage you, and I'll get Ali to pray for us in that regard in a few moments. As a church, one thing that we, uh, we want to do is for the rest of the year Wednesdays, uh, we want to set aside a period of 24 hours where as a church family, we will fast and pray. Um, we thought about starting that this coming week and then recognised that we had a, uh, a funeral and uh, an opportunity to gather around people in that way. I thought that could be a good way to test the really committed fasters, to put platters before them and take notes about who could resist the longest. But um, given that we have funerals this week, we'll actually kick that off, not this coming week, but the week after. So there'll be opportunity there. We'll have a focus each week. And there will be moments, it won't be a full 24 hour, although if people want to gather for 24 hours to pray, praise God, you're welcome to do that. But we'll have a few moments during the day where we can corporately gather. And it really is that sense of just having a moment to come and to focus our eyes upon Jesus again. Intentionally drawing aside, looking for those moments to say, okay, Lord, we feel like you're stirring and we're just responding in this way. So it's going to be Wednesdays for the rest of the year and we'll share some more about that. Uh, this coming week and next Sunday. But would you stand? I can sense the enthusiasm to get out and partake of some fellowship and hot chips and sausages and would really encourage you to uh, hang around and enjoy that. I don't know if someone's here just to come and play. Jeanette. Thank you, Jeanette. I'm going to get Ali to pray for us, just in that regard of just finding some, some rhythms. God's looking for faithful plotters who will turn aside and seek after him. So let's pray, and then there'll be an opportunity for ministry after that. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you are here. And Lord, we want to be a people that our heart's cry is, Come, Holy Spirit. pray Jesus even now Lord as we stand here in your presence God that you would speak to our hearts Lord just individually God what is that next step what is that next plot what does that look like for us and God I want to thank you Lord that you are with us in the season that we're in. I want to thank you that you are with us in the big things and you are with us in the nitty-gritty and the grind, Lord. And we just want to invite you, Lord, again, God, into all those places in our lives, Lord. We just ask you to speak to us, Lord, about in our lives, God, what does continuing steadfastly look like, Lord? And 
Father, where there are things that we have allowed in that we have not been watchful about, whether it's busyness, distraction, discouragement, areas of sin, Lord, whatever it might be. Jesus, we just surrender those things to you. And we just thank you, Lord, that in each of those areas, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would be stirring our hearts, Lord. And reminding us, Jesus, that you are our vision. And that our eyes, Lord, you, you encourage us. You invite us, Jesus, for our eyes to be firmly fixed upon you. Jesus, let our hearts be full of thanksgiving, Lord. Let us be a worshipping people. God, may we be a people who know what it means to raise that banner high above the circumstances, above the opposition. God, when we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what to say, Jesus, we speak your name and we speak your greatness and your might and your power high. We raise it like a banner, Lord. Lord, as a people, corporately, Lord, we want to be a house of worship. We want to be a house of prayer. We want to be a praying and worshipping people, Lord, and we know that that's what you've called us to. So, Lord, stir our hearts, speak to our hearts. God, mould us and make us Jesus to be more like you. Lord, I just pray that as we go from this place, Lord, that we would go with the power of the Holy Spirit. That, Jesus, you are the wind in our sails, Lord. God, we just pray your grace. We pray your peace, Lord, upon each and every person their families, their homes, Lord, as we go from here. We pray all these things and more, all the unspoken prayers and the prayers of our hearts, God. We bring these things to you in your beautiful and worthy name, Jesus.